Yeah, congratulations on winning a fuck ton of money, John. Just like a shitload <laughs> of money. Yeah, that's right. John, uh, that's me, by the way, listeners. John just came in uh, first in the WSOOP main event. That's the World Series of Online Poker, uh, <laughs> which I had to travel outside of the uh, the the United States to participate in because, of course, the United States has uh, uh, gambling laws that don't allow money that's being used for the purposes of gambling to cross state lines, much less leave the country. Um, so I'm podcasting today in sunny Belize, uh, <laughs> in, in John McAfee's old house. That's right. correct. Oh, is that where he was stationed out of? What a lazy shithead. Belize is the funniest choice if you're like a rich American, because it's like, how about I go somewhere tropical where I don't have to learn another language? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly why. <laughs> that's why my, my dad went there. on vacation there with his wife. And I was like, oh, too scared to learn Spanish, huh? Too scared to, too scared to go to Europe and get spoken to in Danish or something, huh? Yeah, but this is your number one travel podcast, Work Stoppage. Uh, we're coming to you <laughs> right. this week. We have all three hosts. It's just a regular episode, uh, although we really do hope that you enjoyed the interview that we just did uh, late last week. We're really proud of it, and I think it came out really good. Uh, shouts out to our guest, Charlie, who was fantastic. And we are entirely listener supported. So thank you for any support you might be giving us on Patreon. If you're not, don't sweat it too much. We know it's tough out there. Get in the discord though. It's free. Uh, and leave us a five-star review wherever you think it might help. But, uh, my lighthearted yeah. antics aside, we, we've been trying to keep it light just because we know that this is actually, I don't know. We have an up and down episode. We got a couple, we got some pretty important stuff we want to hit right off the bat. Yeah. So, I mean, this is something that you might have seen going around either on Twitter or Facebook or wherever, uh, last night. I saw it late in the evening last night. Uh, and this is relevant to, um, the tornadoes that came through the United States. Some of the worst tornadoes in modern history that struck, uh, quite a large portion of the South leading up into the Southern Midwest on Friday and, uh, ended up killing 14 people when the tornado struck a candle factory in Mayfield, Kentucky and an Amazon warehouse in Edwardsville, Illinois. Uh, despite the fact that tornado watches had been broadcast over three hours in advance, and both facilities had remained open and refused to allow their workers yeah. to leave. And so, like, these 14 workers who were killed are, you know, part of a broader death toll that at this point, last time I checked, is already over 80 and likely is going to continue to rise. If anybody's seen any of the footage, it is mm -hmm. absolutely horrific. I mean, these entire towns essentially wiped off the map. But, and the reason we're talking about this is because, like, so many of these people who were killed were killed at work mm -hmm. in the middle of the night in the middle of a fucking tornado that, and this was not a freak event where the tornado came out of nowhere. It's not like they had 15 minutes of warning. As John was saying, like they had over three hours of warning and they chose again, this was a active choice by the management of any of these places that were open. The big ones that we're going to talk about are the, candle factory and an Amazon warehouse because those had the highest death toll. But any of these places, they had plenty of warning. You could have shut them down and sent people home. 
And in fact, we know now because of reporting that's coming out and we're getting more information all the time about this, uh, that employees at the candle factory that would later be completely obliterated heard the warning sirens going off in their town that, you know, those air raid sirens they, they throw out during in places where that are in Tornado Alley. And at least 15 of the employees begged their management to be allowed to leave and were told that if they left their shift early, that they would be fired. And it, in addition to that, like you have also all these workers at Amazon at the, the Amazon warehouse, like the, 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 um, the candle factory was in Mayfield, Kentucky, which essentially that town basically no longer exists. Right. Um, and Edwardsville was this Amazon warehouse in Southern Illinois, which was doing a shift change in the middle of this tornado, which would have been a perfect time to say, Hey, there's a fucking tornado. We're not doing a shift change. Go home and take cover. Right. But instead they, again, were told that if they left or didn't show up to their shift or, you know, did anything to try and protect themselves, that they would be fired. And so the result of that is that these eight workers at the candle factory and six workers at the Amazon warehouse are now dead in, in, you know, in addition to all the other people who were killed in the tornado. And yeah. so the, we have, I, I tried to find the names of the folks that were killed in the candle factory. I unfortunately wasn't able to, um, I'm sure if that they're released, I'll, I'll post them in the discord. But I just, I wanted to read the names of the people that were killed in the Amazon warehouse. Um, because you know, the, these people were killed by their management. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, yes, they were killed by a tornado, but like, again, that they were forced to be where they were by their bosses. And so the people that were killed at the Amazon warehouse were Clayton Cope of Alton, Illinois, who was 29, Kevin Dickey of Carlisle, Illinois, who was 62, Etheria Hebb of St. Louis who was 34, Austin McEwen of Edwardsville, Illinois, who was 26, Dan DeMauro of St. Louis, who was 28, and Larry Verdon of Collinsville, Illinois, who was 46. And Larry Verdon, I mentioned last because he, you may have seen, I mean, we've posted it. A lot of other people have posted it. Mm-hmm. There was a series of text messages between Larry Verdon and his girlfriend that were released from right before the tornado hit. And it starts out, and this is like the sort of exchange that any one of us could have on a daily basis, which is, I think, why it's so difficult to read because it's, it's just, you know, a standard Facebook messenger exchange. It starts out and he messages his girlfriend. Uh, well, I'll be home after the storm. And she responds, what do you mean? And so he says, Amazon won't let us leave. And so she responds, well, all it's doing here is lightning. And then a few minutes later, you know, there's a, there's a delay and there's no more messages from him. And so she, she messages back. So what are you doing? I hope everything's okay. I love you. And then he never responded because he had been killed. And none of this had to happen. Like these companies had hours of warning 
They could have closed and let their families, the, the people go home to seek shelter with their families. They chose to stay open because they only see these workers as profit generating cogs in the machine. They don't see them as people because if you saw them as people, as somebody you knew, as somebody you could relate to, you wouldn't tell these people they had to stay at work or they'd be fired in the middle of a tornado. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, everyone's gotten these texts, right? You know, there's some kind of issue. Uh, I'll be home late. You get texts from your partner, your spouse, whatever. And it says like, you know, it doesn't even have to be a tornado. It's usually something like, I hope the roads are safe, drive safe, stuff like that. And then to send that kind of concern out to someone you really love and to never see them again because of a fucking management decision at some stupid fucking Amazon facility is just, yeah, I don't like, know. There's no words for this. The, the blood of every one of these workers is directly on the hands of these companies. Like, the, these are some of the clearest cases of negligent homicide I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, absolutely. And a just society would hold these places accountable for it. And, you know, I'm not fucking optimistic about that, unfortunately. But, I mean, this also illustrates and, you know, we're not trying to use this for political points or anything. It's, but these are the stakes. Like, th this is why we, or like, we organize for better wages. Yes, we organize for better working conditions. But we organize because if you don't, if with, with no protections, with no ability to stand up to the boss, this is where we're all left, every one of us. And that's not to say that, you know, there's a silver bullet out there by just having a union, but like every, you know, every fight that workers are out there doing is because if we're not standing together, all of us can be in this situation. Mm -hmm. Because this is how every company views us. It's like Amazon is, is, is the biggest and most obvious example because they're, you know, the biggest fucking behemoth in the country. But this is why we fight for worker control of our jobs and our lives. Because... The alternative is what we have right now, which is management control, which is that if there is a tornado or a hurricane that we've seen the same situation happen with hurricanes so many times that you have people who all they want to do is even if, you know, it's some gigantic because these tornadoes were enormous, like they completely destroyed entire towns. So like, yeah, it's possible that they wouldn't have survived if they had been able to go home, but at least they could have been with their families. Mm -hmm. At least they could have seen their loved ones again. And none of these people are ever going to see their families again. And it's because of these companies. And so, yeah, this, I don't know, this is just, I read this story last night and I like broke down crying because this is like one of the hardest things that I've read in a really long time. And it just underlines like the importance of all of this. And like, this is what this country is. <laughs> like, we don't make like jokes about like, 
America being a bad country because like, you know, it's yeah. just, you know, fun and, and to be edgy on the internet. Like, like it's because like you said, it's not political points. It's, we're not trying to score political, like this whole, like, sure. Some sounds like we dunk sometimes, but like the reality is, is that we're fighting for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what it is about. Yeah. So like, <laughs> It's, I don't know, there's, there's not a, there's going to be a lot more news that'll come out of this, I'm sure. I saw a thing that came out, I think it was either late last night, early this morning, I think it was David Sirota tweeted out that there was, had been lobbying for a bill that specifically would provide worker protections. In cases like this, where somebody calls out or they leave early or whatever, in the case of a, a, nat- a natural disaster, and you know mm-hmm. you can get into the whole climate change angle of stuff on how natural any of this is, but that's a different discussion. And part of what killed that bill was lobbying by Amazon. Yeah. And so, like, it's this the whole not, fucking it's historical. system. Like that, I just it goes back to years and years ago with that truck driver who who was that I think that he drove off because he was going to freeze to yes. death in his truck. Mm-hmm. Like this is not a new argument. Yeah. Like businesses have been trying to put people's lives in danger every day. That's what they do. It's in it's that's their interest. When we say labor peace isn't in our interest, it's because we don't want shit like this to happen. Because what is in their interest is to kill us. Yeah. Like, it's, we, I mean, because we don't, this one is so personal because we have the messages, which Mm -hmm. are so incredibly hard to read. But I'm sure there are messages just like this that came out of what was, you know, the inspiration for the IATSE strike. For those people who were on the job site for 12, 14, 16 hours. And never made it home because they were too fucking exhausted. And we see this all the time on construction sites. We were talking about when the fucking companies were lobbying against the scaffolding law in New mm-hmm. York City. And you have people who, because of these lack of safety regulations, fall and die and didn't fucking have to. We have the Biden administration blocking any sorts of protections for covid like yeah. we we are out there in the middle of a pandemic and and our government does not give a damn about protecting anyone. They are interested in protecting businesses. And you see the same kind of failure over and over again from the businesses and from the federal bodies that are supposed to either regulate those businesses or help during a time of crisis. For instance, every time there's a fucking hurricane in the southeast or when Texas had those freak snowstorms, not so freak considering climate change, but I guess that's another conversation. And like, you know, thousands of people either died or were seriously put in threat of death. And it's like, we have a fucking FEMA is out here, like determining what's a real emergency by whether or not there's a fucking waffle house open Mm -hmm. and people's lives are on the line for this kind of shit. And it's just, I don't know. It's like, it's hard to even know where to start because the entire system of emergency response in this country is so utterly dog shit, but like the stakes are (laughs) as high as they could possibly be really, you know? So it, it's just shocking to me, especially when you see such a critical failure like this, um, or I don't, I don't even know if it necessarily gets called a failure because it's capital economics working as intended, but like a tragedy, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, this is going to get chalked up to, 
a horrible natural disaster, an act of God, a, a horrific accident. And that's not true. The, the general, you know, yes, the tornadoes, the hurricanes in general, sure. But these specific deaths were directly caused by these companies. Mm-hmm. And they should be held accountable, and I don't think they will be, because the only way to hold them to account is through mass organizing, because we're the only ones who are going to protect each other, the workers. Like, the, the state's not going to do it. We talk about it all the fucking time with OSHA. Like, they mostly just served as, like, a smoke screen. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there's, good, there's good people there, but, you know, it, it's structurally set up not to really be able to do its job. But, like, the companies don't give a shit. The state is captured by them. Like, we've explained how that works before on a few of our extra episodes. But, like, the, there is only one way to stop this horrific meat grinder of a system that, you know, chews people up and spits them out specifically to enrich an incredibly tiny class of owners. It's not even a euphemism. And, it's literal. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and then that's through, you know, organization. And so, like, I know I've repeated myself a bunch of times because it's kind of hard to, you know, keep a coherent thought process going through all this. But, like, that's – this stuff – this is why, you know, this is the sort of stuff – this is why, like, I am an organizer. This is why, like, I, like, I want us to do this show and, because, like – the only way that workers can ever have any sort of protection from this sort of thing is through union organizing, is through socialist organizing, is through working to destroy this horrific fucking system that allows this stuff to happen. And so before I you know, continue to talk in circles and repeat myself over and over again and yell, I think... Ways, I, I think to, ways to support? Yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you for reminding me because I... So um, I'm sure there's going to be a bunch... Of different, I'm sure there's a ton of like GoFundMe links and stuff. We have one specifically for Larry Verdon's funeral for his family. There, there's one up. We will put a link in the show notes. And if I, as I see other ways to help the people who have been affected by this, I'll be posting them in the Discord. Um, I mean, even the people who weren't killed have, in a lot of cases, lost everything mm-hmm. because again, if you the the footage is crazy i mean i know it's cliche to say it looks like a bomb went off but that's what it looks like i've like it's the only other time i've ever seen complete entire towns completely leveled it's horrific but so we'll put that link in there and and please i've donated i donated to the funeral costs i i mean these just i mean honestly the fact that you even have to pay for that is is absurd and disgusting but like um Anyways, if, if any of our listeners can, can, you know, help folks with that, we, we highly encourage it. But anyways, so like, yeah. there's no good way to segue out of that story. Um, so yeah, let's just, let's just yeah. move to yeah. the, to the Kellogg's workers. We're going to follow up on what's going on at Kellogg's. Yeah. So the Kellogg's thing, uh, there's some ups and some downs on this one that the, there's the tough part, which is that, you know, um, we're really inspired by the the Kellogg's workers for choosing not to abandon future workers by accepting mm-hmm. a contract that would keep two tier and because and and there are so many of them that specifically said that that's why they rejected it and they overwhelmingly rejected the tentative agreement there was a quote in here from 
uh, president of the union local in Omaha, who said, Dan Osborne, who said, quote, ultimately, we don't want to leave anyone behind and we want a secure future, end quote. And so, like, that's why these workers, even after two months on strike and after already having been threatened with the permanent loss of their jobs by mm-hmm. Kellogg's because Kellogg's is proceeding with permanently replacing the workers because, you know, that's how the fucking labor law in this country works, where it's relatively clearly written out in the NLRA that you can't legally do this. But after years and years and years of scraping away via court cases, there's now a precedence that allows them to do this shit. And hopefully it'll get overturned. The, the, the head of the legal, the NLRB has signaled that uh, she's willing to reexamine that precedence. But that'll, if that happens, it'll be well after this strike is over, no matter how long it drags on. Right. But like, so the tough part is these workers, you know, because Kellogg's is fucking digging its heels in and refusing to provide a contract that would actually provide a real pathway to ending two tier to moving the workers in the lower tier up to the higher tier permanently and not expanding that lower tier to, to continue to to hurt future workers mm-hmm. because of that, you know, the, the, the workers at the BC TGM at these plants have said, no, we're not going to accept that. We're going to stay out on strike. Even if you threaten to replace our jobs, even if you threaten to move our jobs to Mexico, we're not going to abandon the future workers. Yeah. And I mean, like Kellogg's, uh, we have a statement from them, which is kind <laughs> yeah. of just, I mean, it, it's normal, like company pablum, but I always like to read this stuff because I, I think it's insightful into like the legal pathos of the way these companies operate where, where they say we have made every effort to reach a fair agreement, including making six offers to the union throughout negotiations all of which have included wage and benefits increases for every employee. It appears the union created unrealistic expectations for our employees. The prolonged work stoppage has left us no choice but to hire permanent replacement employees in positions vacated by striking workers. And it's like, yeah, you offered them them six contracts and not a single one of them addressed the core issues that these striking workers have told you over and over again are why they're on strike. So this idea that they can just like wave the number of contract offers they've made in, in the media's face and be like, report this. And it, it does, it looks good for them instead of bad is like utterly kind of fucking psychotic because yeah, it's like, yeah. if well, you made, made even a halfway good. Con- yeah. Yeah. I, I offered to slap you in the face six times and you said no each time. I can't believe you would stonewall me like this. It's like, shut <laughs> yeah. the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. No, well, and, and the, I will say, Kellogg's does seem to be particularly bad at the PR side of this because Mm -hmm. like I've seen, I mean, granted, you know, no matter like who you are on Twitter, you're going to end up in some sort of a bubble unless you're one of those like freaks that follows 10,000 accounts. (laughs) But like, uh, even, even our, you know, big sleepy boy in the white house came out with a statement mildly criticizing Kellogg's, which is of course the most we're actually going to get. But, um, like yeah. the fact uh, that what he said, he, he said that like, uh, he said, Oh, this is, you shouldn't fire workers. Like you shouldn't. And it was like, you're yeah. the fucking president. Do yeah. something asshole. Well, that's, that's why I almost prefer it when people like president Biden don't weigh in on these yes. kind of labor disputes, because it's like, buddy, you know, the fact that you're saying something about it, 
is saying to me, you're not going to do something about it. So you're basically saying, fuck you, no matter how supportive your actual like message you might, you might deliver through an email or through a, 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 a an audio clip on Twitter, you know, might be. Yeah. And I mean, you'll, you'll hear this stuff from, you know, the, the weirdos who defend the Democrats, but like, That'll be like, well, you know, he he can't really get involved when, you know, you look at hundreds <laughs> of years of the National Guard being sent in to kill striking workers. I'm like, you could end that strike tomorrow. You're the fucking president. And so it, it's not at all a surprise that he's not going to do that. It, 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 we, we knew that wasn't going to happen. But thankfully, we're not relying <laughs> on the, the Democrats to solve this problem. And we do have some good news on the front of the effectiveness of the strike, because it really seems like the solidarity that the workers have been able to build around this is starting to really have an impact on Kellogg's because like we've been seeing all sorts of posts from people uh, of like shelves that have like one type of Kellogg's cereal and nothing else. And it's like some shitty healthy brand that nobody wants, but like, because they are they've been trying desperately to hire scabs to replace these workers and the you know the scabs that they have been able to get have been seemingly pretty fucking bad at the jobs which is not a surprise Utterly, scabs yeah. are not a real replacement for a worker who knows what they're doing and has been doing that job for decades like even just from a like productivist standpoint it's right, not yeah. a good solution well it's but, like, yeah it's the myth of unskilled labor showing itself again where it's like yeah we'll just bring in people to do this job it can't be that hard and it's like you've been squeezing productivity out of these employees for 10 years you think someone who just walked onto the line is going to know every tip and trick to hit the quota you right. know like come on and and so in addition to like the short they're already short supplies we're seeing evidence of at a lot of places including one thing that i saw from a couple of people posting was folks who had printed out stickers where they're just mm-hmm. going around at their supermarkets and if they see kellogg's products on the shelf they're putting up this thing it's like boycott kellogg's don't buy scab cereal like right. support the striking workers i'm just like hell yeah good mm-hmm. shit Everyone who does that is a fucking Chad. But like the other thing, and this is where I have to make a bit of a mea culpa from our last regular episode Mm -hmm. is the response from the anti-work subreddit who I was a little skeptical of. And I do think that there is a little bit of my criticism that I think might hold, but, but I, I can admit that I was a bit overly hasty on that and probably overly cynical because the anti-work subreddit has responded to the Kellogg strike system by saying, hey, fuck Kellogg's, fuck scabs. We can do something about this because they're trying to get their scabs to apply as you apply to every job now online. Mm-hmm. And so they, on the anti-work subreddit, they've been encouraging people to overwhelm <laughs> Kellogg's job application system by flooding it with fake applications. And in particular, I really love there's a TikToker named Sean Black who posted a you know TikTok showing how he'd coded a script program. Like I don't know that much about coding, so forgive me for not knowing the lingo. But like he had written a program that would automatically file fake job applications with their system. And this collective effort of solidarity from the folks on there and who saw that managed to crash the job application system within a few hours. 
That rocks so much. And honestly, I can't blame you for your skepticism. I had this, almost the same response. Um, but it's just that I've seen so many times in my in my life, especially in the last like five to ten years, where it's like we're finally going to get together and do 4chan shit that's going to help yeah. workers. And not once has it actually helped workers until this. And I'm like, wow, that's some 4chan shit that might actually work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, like, so huge props to everybody who's been doing that, like, absolute legends mm -hmm. like because it's absolutely having the effect, intended effect of preventing Kellogg's from being able to hire scabs to this and on Friday more perfect union reported that <laughs> one of the things that's been the result of that is that much of the production line at the at the Battle Creek Michigan facility has been had to be shut down because they can't hire enough workers and they even managed the scabs even managed to derail a train. Right. <laughs> I mean, that that one right there, it just goes back to what we were talking about with workplace safety and, and any sorts of protections for workers like like just just doing this has made a train derail. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure that the listenership has a little bit of an idea of how fucking dangerous that is. Oh yeah. my God. Well, it, it, to me, it all comes back to the John Deere strike, right? When they were like, oh, we don't have warehouse workers and engineers. Let's send a bunch of management in there. And you yeah. have like executive vice presidents like crashing tractors into each other and shit. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, People think like, oh, a cereal plant, how complicated can it be? They have something called a delivery train. Have you ever seen a <laughs> delivery train before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you even know what it is? Is it a full-size train? Is it a little like proprietary thing that they've built? I don't know and you don't either. Good luck well, fucking <laughs> operating one. Like <laughs> and, they couldn't even, and they couldn't even get it back on the tracks <laughs> I know. They, because the, the people wouldn't cross the picket line. They had to bring in people from another state in order to to do this cleanup from Ohio uh, which, which is not that close to Battle Creek by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well and and good good on the the Michigan workers for telling Absolutely. telling Kellogg's to fuck right off that's right yeah so uh obviously you know it's it's it looks like you know Kellogg's despite this is still putting up their front that they're not going to negotiate anymore and that their last offer was their best offer but uh, I don't know. Few more weeks, maybe a couple of months of this. I I, I think that uh, they may reconsider. So while the you know while this strike drags on, we we gotta you know stand behind these these BCTGM workers. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if there's more of these incredibly creative, excellent uh, online solutions that the anti work people come up with, we you know those are awesome. But as always, with any of these long term strikes, there's your standard ways to support. So if you're near any of those plants. Go out and support the picket line. Bring food to the workers. I mean, any hand warmers, especially because it's mm -hmm. getting fucking cold out there. Um, but also, you know, there's strike funds for each one of these. So there's a single link that the BCTGM put together for how to support these. Uh, I will put that in the show notes too. I, I've put it in the Discord a bunch of times. But there's so there's a bunch of ways to support these workers. Definitely encourage it because. Like this is one of the most prominent strikes still going on. Like in addition to the you know the Columbia strike that we 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 had to have that interview with, um, and so like it, it's kind of one of the tips of the spear right now for labor organizing, and we gotta you know do what we can to support these workers so that who are really leading the fight right now against two tier contracts. And if they're able to stand strong and win this, that's a huge precedent win. Absolutely. Yeah. So and. And like Dan is, I mean, I also don't know much about coding, but like 
this if if you know anti work people are, are are listening to this, you know, take that code and and any place with yeah. a, with workers on strike, start putting that in like. There, yeah. there is going to be retaliation. Put this into effect in every situation. Every this is a this is a tool in the toolbox. I actually heard that the anti-work subreddit is looking for moderators. Uh, I would apply. I'm a big anti-work anarchist guy, but I have a hard and fast rule to never use Reddit. So, <laughs> yeah. well, at least not make an account. So, um, <laughs> but thank you so much for everything you're doing, anti-work movement. You're proving that weird people on a subreddit can actually be cool and good. Um, uh, for yeah, the first break- time ever. <laughs> yeah, breaking yeah. the rule. For the first time since that guy nine years ago had the exact same hard drive problem that I had, and I was actually <laughs> able to get a helpful answer out of a thread. So, well, <laughs> speaking of things happening for Correct. the first time ever. That's right. We have our first universe, well, I mean, 90% happy story <laughs> of the episode. Right. Which is we've got our first unionized corporate-owned Starbucks. Hell yeah. So, I mean, this was one of the other big stories going around last week where you know, we've talked about the, the drive going on in the Buffalo area mm-hmm. from Starbucks Workers United about their, you know, heroic efforts that they've been doing and the vicious union busting drive that they've been facing from, uh, you know, the, one of the show's many nemeses, Littler Mendelssohn. Um, and last week was the election. Uh, I, I saw somebody who was tweeting, uh, well, it was a labor reporter who had been, because there, they were, there were live tweeting out the election results. And somebody was like, I finally understand sports fans. (laughs) <laughs> because of like just on bated breath what is like the counts coming out one vote at a time to see yeah. if they're going to get the union vote and so they had there were three stores that were unionizing or well, that were having their elections uh on thursday you had the elmwood store the camp road store and the genesee street store and two of them Gen- elmwood and genesee and there's an asterisk on the genesee one but probably it's probably not a big deal um two of them voted in favor of unionizing. And so like Elmwood by 19 to eight. So that's yeah. (laughs) Doesn't matter if you have a few challenge ballots, that's a hit. It's an overwhelming margin. And then Genesee street 15 to nine. The asterisk on that one is that there were uh, a few challenged ballots, but the, they only need literally one vote (laughs) for the union to win. And whereas the uh, other one would need every single one of the challenged ballots to be a no. So that one's, they got to go through the process of both the union and the company challenging the ballots. Uh, and it's also possible this already happened and I haven't checked it because it's been a few days. And there's been a lot of stuff that I've been reading. So apologies if that's already happened, but it really, does, it looks like the Genesee street one is going to come out in favor of the union. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's huge because yeah. we've got the first and second unionized you know corporate starbucks because i I keep saying corporate because there are a few unionized starbucks but they're like ones that are in airports right so it's it's like a different situation because they're yeah yeah, they're operated by the airport management team and or the barnes and noble management team or the target management team because those are all what starbucks calls licensed stores which is to say they're not 
they're not company owned. They just serve licensed Starbucks goods and are licensed to use the Starbucks logo and image and all that shit. Yeah. And then in this story with the uh, store that uh, did not reach the vote to ratify the union Mm -hmm. under the NLRA, uh, I saw some details in there that were very reminiscent of how the union that I was in was busted uh, because, you know, what we saw is probably similar to the Elmwood story where, you know, during the campaign we had the people and then we got the votes and and it turned out that we got our union but then uh there was a lot of firing and turnover and like longtime employees who were fired right. replaced i mean we saw retaliation against disabled employees and i don't i'm sure that you know there's there is that uh, level here but mostly what we what they saw was a lot of turnover basically yeah. bringing in new people which would be much more easily propagandized by the by management to not have the the background of why these people are fighting for better work conditions because if you show up on a job and maybe you're not very privy to like union information uh, or like what unions do or anything especially because you're you're working in a starbucks you probably have never had a union job before right uh, uh, and and to show up there and be like, well, you know, this isn't too bad. You know, they got it's fifteen dollars an hour, and and I, you know, and the uh, the the boss is out here saying that he cares about what I think. I don't know, like all of that propaganda is uh, was was really really heavily done at the store. In fact, they was this is one of the most heavily propagandized store where people were being monitored even hourly. Like you yeah. could not go, you could not be in the store without like fear of retaliation for talking about the union and so it's it it's sad but also very understandable why they lost that election right yeah and so i will say one thing if you know you've been reading the stuff that we talked about at the beginning of the episode or like really just in a lot of the general news which tends to be pretty <laughs> awful uh if you want to uh, a pick me up from that a little bit of an antidote watch the video that came out of the workers at the elmwood store when the vote was announced because that was just because there was they they had some folks taking video of it and Mm -hmm. they released a clip like right after they won and getting to watch you know those folks who have been you know fighting for months now against this fucking atrocious union busting campaign probably to see their efforts actually pay off I mean, like and, our campaign was almost two years long just to like, like it was, it was a year and a half before we even started the vote. So, I right. mean, these people could have been organizing for a really long time. So yeah. yeah very and so good like on them, yeah, when that came through, there's like the video of them, they're like, you know, jumping and screaming and hugging. And it, that was like, that was a, that was a very nice uplifting video to watch. I definitely recommend it as an antidote to a lot of stuff, but so um, there was a, and there was a quote in here that I think kind of, you know, sums up a lot of like what the, the folks involved were feeling. This is from Starbucks worker United member, RJ Rebman, who said, quote, at the end of the day, working class people know what their interests are and they can prevail even when there's union busting and intimidation. If we can do this here, you can do this where you are too. End quote. And yeah. And on that like, note, there are some stores that have actually put in new petitions, including two in Boston, uh, one in Arkansas, Arizona, Arizona. I'm, I, I'm, my list of words is is blurring right now because my I'm still I'm still very frazzled, uh, uh, and 
three yeah. more in the Buffalo area. And three too. more in the Buffalo area, yeah. So that's a total of six other elections that are going to be happening. And, I mean, if we get all six, that would be amazing, even if we're still at the, the two-thirds thing where we get four more stores. That's going to be six unionized stores. I mean, we're really hoping for all of these people to, to get their union because mm-hmm. yeah. the more stores there are, the more solidarity they can show between each other. Yeah, especially because, I mean, we had these like four of these stores announced they were unionizing before we even had a successful vote. The two Boston stores announced right after we got these two victories. So each one of these union victories has the chance to create more and more. And there's, I they believe, about 9,000 Starbucks locations in the U.S. Right. So, like, there's a, that's a lot of people. And I mean, so how, how long ago was the viral Starbucks across from another Starbucks joke? Like 10 <laughs> yeah, years yeah. already. So like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're way past oversaturation at this point. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, the, the, the one, like, you know, small little caveat here for the, what is a unambiguously great piece of news is now uh, unfortunate is, is because of America's wonderful labor law system. Uh, the next stage of the struggle begins for the folks who've won their union election, which is bargaining for their first contract. Um, cause there was a good article I, uh, that I saw in the, in HuffPost actually, where they were talking with this, um, labor education research director, Kate, uh, Bronfenbrenner, who works at, um, Cornell university's, uh, industrial labor relations school, who are a really great source of like statistics and, and, and information on, on labor in the U S I've cited them in a bunch of things, but she pointed out, quote, one of the reasons that employers resist the first contract is there's nothing to force them to bargain. There are no penalties. The worst that's going to happen is there's going to be a letter from the labor board telling them to bargain. There's nothing to lose by just not cooperating. And to that point, um, she, there was an analysis that Bloomberg did that showed an average of 409 days from a victorious election to the ratification of a first contract. And so I'm not trying to dampen any of the enthusiasm. This is a wonderful story. It's a huge victory and, you know, incredible work and a huge hurdle cleared by the workers at, at both these successful stores. But it's just to point out that like, there's, there's the struggle doesn't stop (laughs) with with the victorious union election. And so there's, there's more work that they're going to have to do, but this is still a huge step in the right direction. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, like I, I mean, I know I bring up my story all the time. I mean, we didn't even get our contract. Uh, we we lost our union before we even got our contract because of all mm-hmm. of the repression. Yeah. So you know, it can it can happen, and we got to keep fighting, got to keep showing solidarity, and we're going to be looking forward to these people actually winning because I believe that they can. Oh, absolutely, for sure, and that's and they've been that's one of the things that's been great throughout this whole process has just been following their messaging from both their, you know, social media, but also every time I see a quote pretty much from any one of these, these workers who are now going to be affiliated with the SEIU, which is the big union affiliate of workers United. Mm -hmm. But every time it's like, they understand that they've got the process down. They know what they're up against and the level of enthusiasm and determination is, is, is inspiring. And so like, this is, this is one of the, you know, one of those nice stories to read for once to, to yeah. see like folks who understand what they're fighting for and what the process is like. And yeah. so, yeah, great to see these victories. And I look forward to, to seeing a bunch more. 
Yeah. Well, this is uh, definitely going to be a long episode. We've just finished our third story and we're nearly 45 minutes in. And we appreciate y'all listeners for for sticking with us through this this pretty difficult episode and uh, some of these these victories uh, and and struggles that we've been covering. Uh, And in our next uh, piece on that, we're actually going to be going to another one that we've covered um, in some recent episodes about Activision Blizzard and how we've kind of we had a critique on some of their actions previously about you know they should be you know forming a union and doing that well that is exactly where they have been pushed at this point <laughs> and like you know i it it is a little you know that it's taken this this amount of force to get them to to come to this but i but who knows maybe it was in the plan the whole time well yeah it's uh, like uh sometimes you 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 should watch who you criticize because sometimes the thing you think people should be doing they are doing in secret to hide it from their bosses strategically <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it, that's it's very true it, yeah. and in this case that's exactly what was going yep. on <laughs> yeah like because you know we've talked about with this show, as Lena was saying, like the, some of our frustrations, not just with this one, but also just kind of with every time we read a labor story about the games industry more broadly Mm -hmm. is that there's the, they'll do these folks will do these great actions, walkouts, uh, protests, like uh, a lot of speak outs against the awful, um, you know, actions of the companies and their boards, which yeah. is good. Like those are all great actually large rank and file actions. The kinds yeah. of yeah. things and that we really support. It, and, and the criticism do, just comes from the spot of being like, it seems like y'all are pretty good at organizing. Like, and you seem like you understand the stakes here. So the next step <laughs> is the union. And, to to these workers' credits, they clearly understand that because and 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 you know as 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 you've said, like there is that long period where you kind of need to keep the union organizing drive secret mm-hmm. uh, to prevent everybody from getting fucking fired. And so uh, I, you know, obviously we don't want to. It's that balance where you, that is difficult to strike. Of you want to be, you don't want to lose your ability to be critical and just blindly praise everything because that's the route to reformism. But like. Uh, it's, it's just great to see that this is, is it, they're finally taking that step because basically Activision Blizzard has essentially created the worst case scenario for workers there where we talked earlier in the summer about the lawsuit from the state of California because they had created such a horrific, uh, environment of sexual harassment and discrimination at ABK we there's been all sorts of stuff that's come out since then like specifically ceo bobby kodak and their board of directors this is uh i'm taking this mostly from a statement from the workers where they said um quote we've seen ceo bobby kodak and the board of directors protect abusers and only hold perpetrators accountable after the events were brought to light by outside media we've seen activision hire law firm wilmer hale known for union busting to disrupt and impede the improvement efforts of activision blizzard workers We've seen Raven software workers lured by the promise of promotion only to be terminated shortly after relocation on top of the already underappreciated and severely underpaid working conditions of ABK workers across the company. These and many other events have caused an alliance of Activision Blizzard employees to initiate a work stoppage until demands are met and worker representation is finally given a place within the company. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Cause like we've, we've had to report multiple times on like the laundry list of grievances that, uh, employees at Blizzard Activision, uh, have had to, have had to deal with and have had to bring forward up to and including, uh, a, a culture of sexual discrimination and sometimes, uh, like sexual harassment. 
an assault. Yeah, and so finally, uh, we're very happy to report that not only have the workers gone on strike, um, you know, uh, in addition to they were pointed out 1,700 of ABK's 10,000 workers signing mm-hmm. a letter demanding that the CEO resign before, after covering up, you know, for sexual abusers. Mm-hmm. And but now with, you know, the layoff of these workers prompting a strike, that seems to have finally bro- you know, been the straw that broke the camel's back because the ABK workers did announce just, I believe, a day or two after they started their strike the uh that they are in the process of unionizing they have been you know collecting all those those incredibly valuable union cards and they are looking to affiliate with the CWA nice. which would be absolutely huge because uh not only would they be i believe the first developer of, of any real size to be unionized that could i mean maybe, perhaps there's some small indie ones uh in the US i mean th- it's much more common outside the US to be unionized mm-hmm. but if ABK got unionized, they are one of the biggest single developers in the country. Like that would be absolutely enormous. Yeah. And just the fact that they're starting the process is huge. Like this is really, this is a first, this, we, we have not seen a union drive of this size of this scope within the games industry. So this is really, you know, precedent setting stuff. Yeah. And, and very excited to see it. I mean, it really is huge. It's, it's like if Nintendo of America was suddenly right. unionizing or something to that scale. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Nintendo of America workers, this is, this is your, this is your, yeah, this go is your for time. It. <laughs> yeah. You, you too can rise up and defeat Bowser. I think it actually works there. I think that yes. works. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then when you do make them stop suing everyone, That's but, right. um, <laughs> yeah, no. So there's, uh, there was a quote in here from one of their organizers who is uh, uh, named Jessica Gonzalez, who's a senior test analyst at Activision Blizzard, who's talking about how difficult this process had been. She, she was in a quote to NPR said, quote, when I started organizing, there was a lot of internal pushback. I was getting vilified. It took a toll on my mental health, end quote. And that's not super surprising when we have things like ABK sending out an email to all its its employees after the announcement of the union drive telling the, their employees to quote take time to consider the consequences of attempting to unionize is oh, that yeah, a threat the, the the what is it the <laughs> opportunity cost of unionization or yeah. whatever, like <laughs> like this is this to me sounds like pretty much like hey uh a nice job you got there be a shame if anything happened to it Right. Like, yeah. This is yeah. that that shit is like riding that line between like warning and threat like real close. I'm sure that they won't get any, you know, punishment for it, but uh, it probably would be worth exploring a ULP for that because that sound sure sounds like a fucking threat to me. Yeah, it's a threat that was designed in a lab to specifically yeah. not qualify as a threat. It's a yeah, it's the it doesn't hit the Facebook of, it doesn't hit threats. the Facebook sensors. Yeah, <laughs> right. Isn't, this isn't a pure sugar threat. This is sucralose. This is the <laughs> yeah, sweet yeah, yeah, of threats. Um, yeah, yeah. And and the email where it also includes all our favorite points about the union's not necessary the whole we see you we hear you just give us more time baby give me one more chance <laughs> yeah yeah it's a bit much don't you think 
Yeah, one yeah. more chance. Is, ABK's is a really got their boombox up over their head right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you know, the the Not. standard canard of calling <laughs> the, the union a third party, all that bullshit. Right, 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 yeah. And like to the point where there was a quote here from CWA's national organizing director, Tom Smith, who said, instead of responding to the workers' concerns, they've opted to blast the most tired anti-union talking points straight from the union busting script. Right. It's like, motherfucker, some of us write game dialogue. I think we know what you're trying to pull right <laughs> yeah. here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, any like, this is great to see. Really excited to see the, you know, the class struggle within, you know, the, the games industry, which mm-hmm. maybe isn't the most obvious site there, but guess what? Every one of these people are workers, and a lot of them are just like everyone else overworked and underpaid because there's because the, there's so much of the same shit we hear about in every creative industry the right. whole oh you should just be happy to work here while we're paying you you know thirty thousand dollars to live in a really expensive city and having you work 80 90 100 hour weeks during crunch right well yeah, yeah it's um, the same thing that people say to uh everyone from a gamestop employee you know yes. through game development right up into like professional athletes which is like they don't need that much money they should be glad they got the job that's good for them and they like that industry and if you like games you should like making them and it's like man no <laughs> yeah, come yeah, on yeah. shut up some of them live in like the fucking silicon valley area and need to be able to pay like five thousand dollars a month in rent just to survive yeah. yeah and speaking of the cost of living i mean they actually did put out a support uh fund for the that's right for the strike that has uh i'm not sure how up to date this is but they have accumulated over three hundred thousand dollars in strike fund uh money so it's really good it's another really good thing about this this video game thing is i see that there are a lot of people out there following it and seeing it and and are inspired by it and so i i like this really public facing business in that way it's good too because like you said it's so public facing and i think it's just because games are like uh deeply intertwined with internet culture and so like these game developers tend to have a lot more twitter followers than your average like kellogg's employee might do or or a lot more friends with like you know 10k accounts and stuff um so it's nice that this stuff can can be so visible because like we've said before about like um uh athletic labor disputes uh and and strikes and unions in the uh athletic entertainment industry like it just it really helps popularize the idea that labor struggle is worth doing yeah yeah and i guess in the thought of labor struggle being worth doing uh we're gonna move to our newest installation in the uh series on slavery around the world at uh and this time specifically again in the united states where we are covering a uh basically a strike of of yeah yeah it's a strike where then the scab labor was child labor yeah and not just child labor child slavery yeah so this is uh this hits a lot of (laughs) the buttons on weird psycho america shit right um so what we're talking about with this story is there's this workers on a film crew for a very small uh production of a movie called nefarious which it's a reimagining of the 101 dalmatians where cruella de vil is the good guy obviously (laughs) yeah no i I saw the title and i was like oh this is it's the disney version of the biggie small story (laughs) yes 
what Nefarious is is a movie that is based on the fever dream novel of a right wing radio host um, about how leftism is destroying America. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I so, wish. <laughs> not right, right. About damn uh, time. Yeah. Anyway, so this is a this is a small production um, that's been taking place in Oklahoma City. And all pretty much its entire film crew uh, just over the past week or so has gone on strike because the producers of the film have refused to recognize the workers membership in IATSE and refused to pay the standard industry rates for or just really adhere to any of the standard industry contract and are now trying to replace the basically the entire film crew with scabs and justifying doing that by the fact that Oklahoma has a right to work law. Who's producing this? Alec Baldwin? I mean, really, <laughs> right? it's the same exact shit where it's just... It's also, like, shocking to me that it's not just, like, they're trying to form a union and the the film management doesn't want to recognize that. It's that they're members of IATSE. <laughs> like, right. the established, the premier industry union for people who work on film sets and they're just like well oklahoma's a right to work state you know what happens in the panhandle stays in the panhandle yeah and the the justification was hilarious just because it was like i don't man i don't actually think this is how employment works uh because there was a quote in here from the uh films the film's co-director and co-screenwriter chuck Konzelman who said, quote, we made the rates as high as we could on an individual basis early, which, by the way, <laughs> was still not very impressive because we were a very low-budget film, <laughs> as if that makes it okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but everyone shook hands and said, yeah, we'll do it for that. And then three days into shooting, suddenly they couldn't do it for that anymore, and we had to become a union shoot, end quote. Oh, I'm so sorry. Did the union tell these people like, hey, you need to ask for more money and we'll back you up when you do? <laughs> I mean, and, like, and, well, what's wrong like, with that? <laughs> they went back on my handshake deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, that's not. I even spit in my goddamn palm. <laughs> you're like, that's not how employment contracts work. Well, what are you talking these about? These guys don't understand how anything works. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're basically making like a movie, which is just like, what if Glenn Beck ate too much before bed? And this is like yes. what he <laughs> dreamed up in the night. So yeah. yeah. And, and so like workers have filed several ULPs already against the production company specifically for aggressively polling the workers on their support for the union, mm -hmm. surveilling the workers, doing protected organizing activity and for firing multiple workers specifically for organizing and protect and engaging in protected uh, activities. Right. Yeah, uh, and, and, and then there was COVID. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause that's the other thing is what they're asking for is they're like, just do the standard contract. Right. That includes the standard rates. It includes the standard way too long work hours. Right. <laughs> and, and the specifically they're like, we need you to pay for healthcare because we're in a pandemic. And specifically when the production of this started, COVID ran rampant through the film set, which, right. you know, caused all these delays. And all the while they're trying to be like, nah, it's not union. We don't have to pay for healthcare. Like, <laughs> It's it's just completely ridiculous. Well, that's a classic line from 
businesses in general. Oh, it's not union. We don't have to pay for health care. That should give you an indication of what you should be doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, Absolutely. So on the heels of uh, COVID wreaking havoc on the production crew, multiple quittings, firings, labor disputes, and unwillingness to recognize a union contract. Uh, they see a solution was, on the horizon. Yeah. What was the final action by this, this, film, <laughs> this film production team to yeah. solve these issues? So... Uh, that's what Lena was getting at when she introduced the story, right. <laughs> which is how we, we first heard about it. Um, rather than, you know, a do the right thing and just say, Oh, right. All right. You guys are members of a union. Fine. Whatever. We'll pay a little more money and we'll, we'll give you healthcare during a fucking pandemic. Sure. That, you know, the correct action or B, uh, the more normal thing going out and trying to put out, you know, stuff on a job posting, trying to hire scabs, be like, Hey, Come work on this. It's a film set. Hooray. It'll right, be great. Right, right. Make 12 bucks an hour um, <laughs> and work and work 17 hour days and don't get any health care. Mm-hmm. It'll be great. Ugh. Instead, <laughs> this company has come up with a novel solution. What if we could get labor, but for free? <laughs> mm. And what if we were able to do that by making the people do the labor be children? Oh, <laughs> So, and then we could pay them in school credit instead of money. It's a genius plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Like, that's literally their solution was so they had, you know, the film crew had walked off the set and gone on the picket. And a lot of like what was left to be done was they needed a lot of sets built. And so they went to a local high school, like what technical school, right? The Francis Tuttle Technology Center. But it is a high school aged. Uh, trade yeah. school. It's this isn't like a col- a college age replacement right. for a, a university or anything. This is a replacement for high school. And even then, I mean, uh, unpaid interns are slaves. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. The like the the primary thing there is that you can quit, but then like right. Cool. Now you have the same choice as the rest of the wage slaves. You can work or starve. Right. Wonderful. Exactly. It's so good. Um. But yeah. So they managed to convince this local technology center to get their kids to build them sets for free so that they could, you know, do it as an exchange for like school credit and exposure to, you know, be a part of the film industry. And the local news company that was reporting on it in the story about this completely leaves out the fact that there's a strike going on. It completely leaves out like all the context and it just paints it as a human interest piece and says that this is a way for local kids to quote, create a pipeline for success. Ah, yes. No, not mentioning the fact that this is like one, a labor dispute relevant to union IATSE employees, but also two, not mentioning the fact that Francis Tuttle Technology Center is a publicly operated school affiliated with the state of Oklahoma Department of Career and Technology Education, which is now basically giving free labor, child labor, to an incredibly politically charged enterprise, like a, a far, far, far right-wing uh, uh, movie project. And this is essentially like, I, I don't know, like there's so many conflicts of interest here. It's hard for me yeah. to say well, like which one people should take up arms against first, right? Like, it's, it's wild. And also I loved the response to the criticism uh, from uh, Mr. Konzelman mm-hmm. uh, when he's been questioned about the the strike 
and the the media coverage of it, which has really not been that much, uh, where he said, quote, this is partly about suppression of conservative and faith-based media. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to cancel me for not paying children. Man, <laughs> shut up. It's so funny. It's like, yeah, I don't even know how, you, how you're like, uh, they won't let me do child labor enough and this is why we should get jesus back in school i'm not really sure what the thread is here yeah these these godless liberals want me to pay workers and 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 allow them to work less than 17 hours a day which by the way is the amount of time they were literally trying to make people work yeah. they want me to pay workers adult workers <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't even know. This shit um, pisses me off. I, yeah, it's it's incredible. Like you know, we're bleak. being we're being uh, you know we're telling jokes here, but I think it's more of a covering for for how fucking upset we actually are today. Because oh, yeah. adding this to all of the other things that we've covered is just like I I don't have good things to say. All I can do yeah. is is try to is like dunk on this fucking asshole who is exploiting people and then you know those people say oh don't you can't do that and then saying oh all right so we're going to exploit children instead. Right. And that's exactly yeah. like and it's classic American ideal. Yeah, no. Well, it's I mean this is right in line with all the fucking stories that we've seen lately during the quote unquote labor shortage about I think there was one in either Bloomberg or Business Insider where they were spinning the fact that so many restaurants, like usually specifically like fast food places, have been turning to more and more labor of teenagers, like in some states, you know, as young as 14, as, oh, well, with, you know, adult workers refusing to, and they leave out, it's like refusing to work for sub-poverty wages. Right. Uh, like, now the teens are winning out. And it's like, what do you mean they're winning out? Like, this isn't a good, happy story. You're not a, like, the f- you're like, not like I'm going to, oh, yeah, the, the adults want $15 an hour. Well, fuck the adults. We're going to pay the kids $15 an hour. No, that's not. Yeah, right. no, exactly. It's, 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 yeah, it's, congratulations. You've managed to get away with paying children, you know, ten dollars an hour and and because of the capture of the media by the ruling class it it gets spun as if they're getting valuable experience out of it as if that's worth you know the fact that they're being super exploited right well um speaking about student actions uh (laughs) i guess we'll just move on to our last story of the day which is seventeen thousand student researchers across the university of california system uh across 10 campuses getting uh union recognition which is really really cool so they collected over ten thousand union cards last may uh but had actually not gotten recognition from the university which only agreed to recognize the union after the fledgling union voted to authorize a strike so it's kind of a classic story of like sometimes if you want to uh if you even want to get something as much as like tacit recognition that your union exists you literally have to say like do it or we won't work yeah well and this is i think that that also gives a little bit of a truth to what we say often is that the union exists whether or not the nlra says that it exists that's right like this union existed and then they they voted to strike and then the university's like well fuck all right okay okay you're real you're real okay (laughs) yeah yeah and and so like this is 
this is, you know, the unambiguously good story that we threw in right. here at the end because, like, uh, it sucks that, you know, it took them several months to get the university system to recognize them. But now, I mean, you adding 17,000 workers to the unionized workforce in this country in one go uh, is is absolutely enormous. Um, like, they, there was a quote in here from Laura Beebe. Uh, who is a neurobiologist at uh, UC San Diego, who said, quote, we don't, as workers, have a lot of rights and protections. Things we'd really like include paid family leave. Something we really want is to be paid on time. (laughs) Our paychecks come late for incorrect amounts or not at all. It's a really big problem. We would like recourse for sexual harassment and assault and protection from discrimination in situations including pregnancy, end quote, which, yeah, (laughs) everybody should have those things. Right. And- and now, now that these 17,000 workers have their union, now they can actually get them. Yeah. And one of the other things that was really nice like that to to see the the results of is is she specifically cited the John Deere strike earlier in the year as a big source of a, a, an inspiration she said, "quote a really good example of courage." And so it's all like I, I mean Part of that is, you know, the fact that these workers are now affiliated with the UAW, but it's always so good to see that cross industry, right? Like transmission of, of, of solidarity and inspiration. Uh, one of the things that the un- university was saying to explain why they took so long to, to recognize the union was they said, oh, well, you know, look, we, we were happy that the workers were unionizing. We support their right to unionize, but you know, that's just so many people. There was so much confusion over who would be covered by this contract. I'm like, well, it's interesting how quickly that confusion got cleared up when they threatened to strike. Yep. It's a, you know, just a little coinky dink that, that, that that timing, you know, you, you managed, you got all your paper, you ran your numbers and they just happened to come out two weeks after the strike vote that, you know, just not interesting coincidence there. But anyways, you know, obviously no as anybody who listened to the uh, interview that we just did with with Charlie from the Student Workers of Columbia will know. Listen uh, to it. Wow, this is, yeah, and everybody should. It's a fantastic interview. Charlie was an incredible guest uh, and talked about a lot of like the nitty gritty of the organizing process mm-hmm. that we don't see in the labor press. And so it was, it was really great to, to hear all that and learn from that. But so now like we've cleared the huge hurdle. We've got 17,000 new union people, but there is still the process to go through of getting that contract. Um, it does seem like the university has been at least slightly mollified by the, uh, the, the bad press that they were getting for sure. not recognizing the union. Uh, they, they put out a statement saying, quote, the university appreciates UAW's partnership as we work through the process. We look forward to bar- beginning good faith negotiations on a multi-year collective bargaining agreement in the months ahead. UC believes our graduate student researchers make important contributions to the university. All right. Like, well, yeah, like. It's a, it's a stock response, but it's not a stock response that has like implied hostility built into it. Like you see from some organizations. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, like uh, there, there is 1% of the time where you get actually favorable things. And then right. you have this other 5% of the time where there it's like neutral. And then the 94% of the time otherwise is right. entirely adversarial. Yeah. So we're hoping yeah. this, this amounts to neutral. <laughs> Woo, that would be yeah. a big win. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, just, just the union recognition alone right. is like, is huge because they like the, in, in some of the articles that I saw about this, I pointed out that student researchers United is the largest new UAW bargaining unit of the year the largest single new bargaining unit of the year 
of any union in the country and the largest single student bargaining unit organized at once ever in the U.S. So, like, this is a it's a pretty monumental yeah, effort to get win. seventeen thousand people. That's a big win, and that's so, why yeah. it's all over the fucking afternoon news every day. That's why <laughs> right? you're seeing so much coverage about this historic event. <laughs> yeah, thank you, mainstream media. I'm putting on um, my best eleven o'clock news voice to be like, an historic union drive was completed today, and it's just like <laughs> the plug gets cut yeah. and it switches to like. A, <laughs> the, the, the color this, uh, color bars emergency yeah. warning system yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh man uh, well speaking but, of well, uh, static yeah. and color bars and cutting to the ends of things we're about to <laughs> we're about to smash cut to the meme review my friends it's about yeah, to it's about right. to look like a Vince Gilligan show up in here <laughs> okay <laughs> um it's a little breaking well, bad reference okay that's right <laughs> Well, this first meme is actually one that I ref that I referenced in the uh, interview on mm-hmm. Sunday that we put out uh, because I, I remember seeing it in our meme review and he was talking about how the you know the how quickly the the um, the college went from oh you you know we had to everybody has to tighten their belts to uh, you know this is just not something that we should do and uh, right, right. and this this is really what this is um the someone like drowning the top it's a two panel the top panel is someone with their face just barely above water and then this the lower panel is them sitting on the sea floor with their chin just like above the water where they could clearly just stand up and and, (laughs) yeah and and leave it's similar in format to the um the the kid who looks like he's behind bars but then the the picture zooms out and he's just holding a grate from a fridge in front of his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like dad standing behind him doing the like, yeah. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing. And There's also the kid with her arm in a boot holding yeah, the boot on yes. her own head and you can't tell in the first shot and then in the second shot. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but, so the, the top yeah. picture here it, it, where it looks like the they're drowning and it says corporations, quote, forced to raise prices on goods. And then the bottom, you know, revealing the truth, Record-breaking corporate profits. That's right. How many billion dollars endowment for Columbia University? Hmm? Remind me. I believe it was uh, 14. Oh, that's big. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, speaking about running the numbers, the next meme has a bit of interesting <laughs> math baked into it. So it's just, a, it's just a, a job. It's just a help wanted sign. And it says, cashier wanted. Must be 10 years old with 20 years experience. And then under it, it just has Ash Ketchum holding the brim, <laughs> brim of his hat. Uh, and I, I loved this meme when I first saw it today because I thought, wow, he is. 10 years old with 20 years experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is very yeah, funny. This- like the, the example, but I, I, I was, I'm a little skeptical as to like, maybe this is someone who just printed this sign out and then took right. a photo of it, but that doesn't matter. It's well, still it, very it, funny. It, 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 it feels like every fucking job listing I see though. Yeah. It's like that, that I forget who it was. I think it was, uh, some programmer was like, uh, I saw this job listing that said I needed yeah. to have six years of experience in this language. And she like posts a screen cap of like, how old is this language? And it's like two years. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, no, it's they do that shit with everything. It's mm-hmm. fucking yeah. wild. But uh, yeah, this next one is one that I brought in because it's near and dear to my heart. Uh, as with many people I know who love 
possums and and screaming into the <laughs> void and and uh the the text on this one is good morning god has let me live another day and i'm about to make it everyone everybody's problem and i <laughs> love this like this is i think I, I i wish that i could wake up with this energy every day to be like <laughs> i am gonna make my existence a problem for the powers that be because <laughs> i am done with this shit i i I must scream. I must scream. <laughs> Every day I wake up and I, before I get out of bed, I say to myself uh, the same affirmation that I say every day, which is that I'm going to be a huge issue today. <laughs> <laughs> it's it. like that, the, the other one that I love that it's like back by unpopular demand, me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, oh, this next one is pretty dense and I really liked it because it's somebody, somebody went to, uh, cause I don't know who made this one, but uh big props because this is a, a good satire for a very topical strike, which is we've got a six panel here and it's all different Kellogg cereals, but a little different than the ones that you've usually seen. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, let's start with the first one and then just move through them. Uh, yeah. So we've got Kellogg's corp flakes uh, with boycott a doodle do fortified with exploited employees yeah and uh, you really got to get in discord for this one because the art is so good but we're it's just really gonna well move through mostly the text on these yeah then you have tony the tiger on the front of a box of fiduciary flakes and he says we're grinding our employees into dust for our shareholders dividends <laughs> <laughs> and then we've we've got labor smacks yeah part of a strike breakers complete breakfast that's and right yeah. the it's little frog like is a- like in like fucking a SWAT team. Yeah, Smacky SWAT the Frog is gear. a fucking riot cop, yeah. And the the fourth one is Scab Krispies, which is like the <laughs> Rice Krispies with all the little elves, but there's the Scabby the Rat is inside of the bowl of uh, of Scab Krispies. Yep, and then you have uh, <laughs> Kellogg's No Raises brand, No Scoops for You. That one's pretty right up front. And and then the last one we've got Kellogg's Fruit Looters. Toucan Sam was liquidated to pay for more stock buybacks, says the vulture that has replaced him. Yeah, and they have Toucan <laughs> Sam fucking dead in the cereal. He, he, they killed he our boy. Died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, importantly, though, don't buy anything from Kellogg's right now. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, it, I, like, I, I feel like I'm just going to permanently replace everything Kellogg's. Like, I'm just, I'm done. Like, well, speaking of, uh, permanently replacing things, let's talk about something I permanently replace on a daily basis, sponsored ads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this one actually, I found, this one I, is actually a screen grab that I took from my Facebook feed, and it is a, a sponsored ad from The Daily Show. You might remember back when Jon Stewart ran The Daily Show, and now Trevor Noah. Uh, this, this sponsored ad, you might think, oh, watch our show, you know, or, you know, we cover this really important topic. Check it out. No, uh, The Daily Show show with ZipRecruiter daydreaming about rage quitting question mark before you go down that rabbit hole head to ZipRecruiter and find your next job fuck you Trevor Noah yeah. fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> I, I this one I was just so confused because I was like what the fuck does this have to do with the daily show but then I remember the reason that I don't like Trevor Noah <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is not he just supports the strike breakers. He, yeah, it's not just that he's not funny. It's it's that if you've ever seen the clips from his early stand up where he's making jokes about these folks going on strike in South Africa 
And he's just glibly laughing at the cops mowing down these workers. Right. As if, like, that's funny. And I'm like, look, I... I'm not being like you can't make edgy jokes, but it's like the the whole there's no joke there. It, it's the whole joke is just ha ha. The cops killed a bunch of workers right. who wanted better pay. Isn't that funny? It's yeah. like what? Well, and also like the Daily Show is supposed to be like a nominally progressive like institution and in entertainment, and then for them to be like daydreaming about rage quitting your stupid fucking job. <laughs> Here's yeah. no fucking help at all. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I'd uh, I'd rather have someone buy just me like, undies. Yeah, I'd rather have somebody <laughs> smugly tell me like, well, you should just become a welder then than this bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like somehow the fucking micro sweat pledge shit is more ingenuous than this. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then and uh speaking of being totally disingenuous. <laughs> yeah, this this next one is maybe real. I don't know. It's it's just like some it probably is real. The author's but, uh, name is Dickie K9, which yeah. <laughs> England, that could go either way, real or fake. <laughs> yeah. This is just a, a a screen grab of a news article headline and top line, uh, which is Wokery is nothing new. For the, for that, we can blame Charles Dickens. A Christmas Carol has poisoned the minds of the snowflake generation into believing there's something wrong with owning many properties. And I, you know, I actually, uh, we, my family has a tradition of going to the uh, the Christmas Carol play, and I and I went uh, this year with because they had lots of protections and and spaced out seating and stuff like that. And luck, and I wanted to to do something I hadn't done in a long time, but. Um, I w- got to the end of it and I'm like, you know, people watch this play every year and still support capitalism. Like, yeah, like, the, you're, you're, you're right. like your boss is not going to be visited by three ghosts. There's not the three ghost reeducation camp that every rich person gets, you know, yeah. like <laughs> we need to, well, we need to make the three ghost reeducation camp yeah, real. Well, Ebenezer <laughs> Scrooge gets visited by three shop stewards in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like how like fucking, um, it's a wonderful life was like banned for a little while on on tv stations because it was considered to be too pro-communist right yeah (laughs) (laughs) because they're like hey uh maybe bankers should be less mean was that the was that the movie with the line that that still like transcends to today which is like the do you know how long it takes for a worker to make five thousand dollars or is that a different movie? I don't know. Oh, There's I'm like some sure. classic film that, that has that it. line that that has not has not aged even a day. It's like a, it's like <laughs> yeah. a movie from the from the 60s or something like that. And they're just like, do you know how long it takes for a worker to make five thousand dollars? I actually do, and it's a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. <laughs> that well, thank you for sticking with us on this one, folks. It's uh, I know it's uh, a long one and. Some heavy stuff, but uh, yeah, we really appreciate everybody listening to the show. For sure. Absolutely. And if you want to help us out, uh, you know, you can go to patreon.com and uh, patreon.com slash work stoppage. Shoot us $5 a month. It uh, helps us do this show. We're going to be putting out more content. We've got a couple different episodes lined up in the uh, in the future that are going to be coming out uh, in the patron feed. Otherwise, we do have some really great 
uh, pieces that are very educational. Um, also, make sure to check the show notes and uh, donate to all of the different funds that we're putting in there. Keep uh, on our social media. Uh, Work Stoppage Pod is our Twitter. And I, I actually just went on there the other day and found out that Dan has, uh, we have over 3,000 posts because Dan is a <laughs> I retweet a lot of stuff. Right. <laughs> really good at getting that stuff out there. And join the Discord. That link is also in the, uh, the description. Uh, give us a five-star review on many platforms. You know, we don't have any five-star reviews on Facebook yet. So you can go over there and like us and, and write us a nice five-star review there. And, uh, you know, listen to Beep Beep Lettuce. Listen to Ga- Red Game Table. And we will see you next time. As always, labor peace is not in our interest. Solidarity forever. Solidarity out there. Solidarity, everybody. Seca mal começou Adeus, vou-me embora Meu bem, chora Não ajuda ninguém Enxuga o teu pranto De dor que a seca Mal começou Adeus, vou-me embora Maria Fulou do meu coração Eu voltarei Qualquer dia É só chover no sertão Lá longe as horas da volta eu conto na minha mão Maria Lá longe as horas da volta eu conto.